Welcome to the Eating Your Cake 2 podcast. I'm your host, Claire Sieber, global career and leadership coach, facilitator, speaker, and founder of Eating Your Cake 2, a business focused on helping you take control of your career and leadership success. Right here on this podcast, you'll learn how to amplify your influence, accelerate your career growth, create a real presence and have a true impact by learning the tools and strategies that you need to show up with more courage, more confidence and more clarity. Are you ready? Let's do it. Meet Amanda Slinger. Amanda is a rest and sleep expert whose passion is helping busy people to fall back in love with rest and sleep and learn the secrets to recharging each day. You know, this thought-provoking content through an expert-informed lens. Amanda has presented to thousands of people in Australia and across the globe on a range of thought-provoking topics from the bedroom to the boardroom. I loved this episode and I am so grateful that Amanda let me ask all my sleep-related questions and I think that you will love it too. Let's dive on in. Amanda Slinger, welcome to the Eating Your Cake 2 podcast. I am so excited to have you on here today. How are you going? I'm really well, thanks, Claire, and absolutely thrilled to be here. Awesome. Now, I mentioned to you before we hit record that obviously you and I had a brief catch up last week just to get to know each other uh, a little bit. And I I have gone away over my weekend and told almost every person that I know that I spoke to you and how much I walked away from that conversation with a, with a polite kick up the butt that I think that I needed, but also with so many insights, even just from our short interaction around rest, recovery, sleep, and how do we best support ourselves as we kind of navigate this fun thing called life. So, I know that you will be sharing lots of those gems with us today. And we know that rest, recovery, sleep is such a critical component for us being able to perform to our maximum potential. So, although we're going to talk to it a little bit from the lens of career, because, you know, that's sort of the space that I operate we also know that it applies to every aspect of our lives. Before we get into that side of things, for anybody who doesn't know you, Amanda, or perhaps isn't familiar with the work that you do, do you want to share a little bit about who you are, what you do, and what your passion is with our listeners? Yeah, sure. So, I am a born and bred West Australian. I've lived overseas in the UK for six years and spent three years in Zambia in Africa and spent a lot of time in the mining and exploration space here in WA um, in my career. But um, yeah, I'm really, yeah, I'm a mum, spend my time with my family between Margaret River and East Fremantle, so very blessed. And I've got three companies. I founded my first company, Industrial Safe, oh my God, 25 years ago. I still run all three, but the space that I really am passionate about is rest and sleep. And this is my latest company, Sleep Spot. And I think, you know, I I almost have done a pirouette. You know how people people do these um you know, they, they pivot with their careers. Well, I've done a pirouette, so um, which is fitting because I actually was a ballet teacher back in the day. So, I started my career as a registered nurse working in a small mining town um, in the northwest of Western Australia and, um, yeah, loved the emergency work and it was the most incredible experience. I had some great opportunities 
and was also exposed to some pretty horrible um, events, which I wouldn't wish upon anyone. But all those things really shaped who I am and my passion for rest and sleep. And it really all stemmed from, you know, this um, just seeing so many accidents come through um, the door of the hospital with, you know, from the mining related, you know, injuries and then a fatality was the sort of the, the, the one that really threw me. And it really, yeah, it took a big impact on me and the community that I was working in. And I then went on to study health and safety and made that my career for a long, long time. And through that, that, that health and safety career, I recognized there was a big missing piece around fatigue management. And the industry did a lot around, around um, working hours and roster length. So, you know, when I started in mining four weeks or five weeks on a one week off wasn't unusual. You would be hung, drawn and quartered if you even attempted to do that in the mining industry nowadays. So it, it, there were some really big changes that happened, but I could see that there was still a big missing piece and that was people's knowledge around sleep. You know, we learn about sleep. We, we don't learn about sleep. We learn about um, exercise and diet um, and the importance of it when we're at school. You know, we learn why it's important, how to, you know, what is a, what is a good diet, um, how to exercise, but we don't learn about sleep health and it is the foundation for health, safety, and for our well-being. So, you know, I care about people and the quality of their lives and, you know, all of my businesses really focus on that. Yeah, fantastic. And I, I, I agree with you completely in terms of what you're saying. Oh, we do learn around, we learn about nutrition and we learn about the importance of exercise we, and we hear about the importance of sleep. But I, I know that I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I get it. But I don't necessarily understand the impact. Bar me feeling tired and fatigued and not being able to probably make great decisions when I am tired. I don't necessarily understand what, it, what the impact is on my body and my mind. And so I think that's probably where the power of the work that you do would be so incredible. Do you want to um, share a little bit? with us perhaps or you know what you can around why actually is quality because my assumption is and correct me if i'm wrong that it's not so much the quantity or the quantity is important but the quality of the sleep that we get is that right yeah absolutely absolutely so there is yeah there's a huge focus on sleep duration which whilst it's one of the the dimensions of what makes up quality sleep um i don't think it's the most important um, I'm not going to throw out the baby with the bathwater. It's still it's still something we need to focus on. But if you're not sleeping well, so you know, quality sleep is about duration. It's about regularity, consistency, and also about depth. So I'll unpack each of those um, a little bit. But for me, you know, duration. When we're all so busy, we've got busy, busy lives. The last thing someone wants to hear from me is, "Oh, you're going to have to add another half hour, an hour into your sleep, Claire." But if you're not sleeping well, why would you add another half hour, an hour in there? Get good at what you're currently giving to sleep. And I sort of draw the analogy. I trained for um, a marathon twice and ran the Paris Marathon. And I got good at running a short distance before I ran a longer distance. And I think that's really important. The parallels with sleep are really powerful because now, if you're waking up, cons you know, consistently through the night, well, then you're going to have really crap sleep, to put it bluntly. So, why just add another hour of crap sleep? Get good at what you're doing. So, prioritizing sleep is my big, 
push. So sleep regularity is really about waking up at the same time each morning, give or take half an hour and going to bed at the same time. And this sort of social jet lag, which is like jet lag, but we, you know, we achieve it through just swinging our bedtime and wake time. That is one of the biggest challenges of our modern day right now. And then the other big one is this consistency. So trying to sleep through the night, waking up once or twice to have a bathroom break, no problem. But getting back to sleep is is really often difficult to do. So finding out what are your sleep thieves, which is what I call them, what's waking you up and stealing your sleep in the night? Is it the dog next door barking? You know, can you wear earplugs? Can you put on some sort of background noise? Work out what your sleep thieves are and um and uh yeah get a really consistent night of, of sleep. Sleep thieves. I love that. <laughs> what <laughs> So there's probably people listening who are like, well, what if my sleep thief is my child? <laughs> and, and, you know, so they might be sitting there thinking, oh, I get it. I've got to, you know, when I'm getting those batches of sleep, I've got to try and do them better. What advice would you have for, for listeners whose sleep thieves are little babies or, or toddlers who might wake up throughout the night? How do we, how do we kind of navigate that game? Yeah, well, it's back to the idea of, you know, put your oxygen mask on first and then help your children. So, um, of course, you know, we can't neglect our children and I don't propose anyone would be, but, you know, we've got to look after our own sleep and really prioritise that. So, if you get an opportunity to nap during the day, just take it, even if it's a 10-minute nap. Just And even if you're not falling asleep, it's still resting, which is so, so powerful. Um, the other, you know, suggestion is to also help your child sleep. Um, it comes back to this, you know, babies and children, you know, how happy they are is often a reflection of how well they're sleeping. I remember with my 15-year-old, I thought when he was a baby, I wanted him to sleep through the night. He kept waking up and, you know, we weren't getting a great night's sleep and I got in this fantastic sleep nanny and she said to us, um, so you think you've got a happy baby? I went, yeah, God, he's so happy. She said, just you wait till he sleeps through the night. And, oh, my God, Claire, it was mind-blowing. Um, and, uh, again, that's how we feel when we have a great night's sleep. So just thinking about how much better you are to handle, you know, um, handle difficult situations, handle angry children, um, hand, how to handle conflict and be present for your family. It's all about getting a great night's sleep. Mm, definitely. And if we take it back, obviously sleep is one of the key pillars um, of being able to you – know, function in life but if we take it back a step even further and we just think about sort of recharging in general i think again i'm sure you hear this all the time we know we need to rest we know we need to recharge yet we live in this society which just feels like it's constantly pushing you to do more be more have more you know don't rest hustle so what do you see bar the obvious um societal pressures i'm putting those in inverted commas bar the obvious though the pressure's coming from there. What else do you see as being the barriers that get in our way of prioritising rest and recovery? Yeah, I think it's this idea that we can we can have it all and, yeah, I think we can have it all, but we need to really prioritise our sleep. And it's just this false economy that, you know, I'm going to you know, work until 11 o'clock at night because I've got a full-time day job, I've got kids, you know, and I've got this side hustle going on um, or whatever it is. Um, 
you know, it's just this false economy that you're going to be able to show up as your best the next day. And whilst we might be able to get away with it for a little period of time, it ultimately can come and bite us in the bottom. And often often it is our mental health that starts to unravel. Um, you know, when we're living life to its fullest, we're inevitably going to be pushed for time. And something that often is the one that gives um, because it can be squashed is our sleep. You know, we squeeze the time that we give to sleep. Um, we're not going to, you know, be late to pick up our kids from from the school gate or, you know, be late dropping them off for gym practice this afternoon. You know, we squeeze the time we give to sleep. So it is really challenging and there's this great quote that is just really all about what I do and it is a Dolly Parton quote who is my absolute idol now. She never used to be. I used to cringe at the whole idea of Dolly Parton, but she is, oh, she's a goddess. And it, um, it goes something like, um, um, don't get so busy making a living that you forget to make a life. And it is just so perfect. And those words just echo all the time in my day and my week um, because, you know, I've got three companies, I've got a family, I split between two houses um, and I'm very active. I go to the beach every morning. So, you know, there's so much that life can offer us nowadays from all the different streams of entertainment that come into our house, whether it's through our phone or our TV. There's so many exciting things and shows and places to go and be and see and hobbies to learn. You know, we all want to be this incredible person, but I think ultimately it comes back to what can we, you know, what's practical, what's the reality? Um, because, yeah, I think we get quite quite wrapped up in just this idea that we can do more, do more, do more, but time is, finite in our day and we just have to prioritize where we're going to give that time to whether it's rest and daylight hours which is really important um and it's also getting that sleep that you need during the night and enjoy life um so yeah it's it's it is such a challenge there's a lot of willpower involved in living the lives that we do because there's so much goodness going on we all want to do yeah. it yeah, the quote, the quote that you, the Dolly Parton quote you just referenced, I actually have up on my vision board in my office next to me. I do Yay. love that quote and it's such a beautiful, beautiful reminder. And I, I'm hearing you you talk about that, particularly the, you know, the example around like we when we've got obligations for other people, right, whether it's dropping a child at school or, or, or somebody we've got to meet, maybe it's a work appointment you know, we, we always will make ourselves available for that, yet we will squash. The first thing to go for many of us is the time we make for ourselves. And you referenced the other day this idea of girl maths, and it's really oh stuck God. with me, uh, probably because I do it. <laughs> and you, I, like I think, when you said that, I was like, this is how I live my life. <laughs> and, to, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you to explain in a second what, what girl math means to you. But I think the extra part around all of this and making space is the self-respect piece. You know, we, mm. we respect others enough to show up for them, whether it's an appointment or a commitment that we've made, yet we won't respect ourselves enough to rest, to recover to eat properly, to, you know, whatever it might be, it'll almost always be the first thing to go. And even as I'm saying this out loud, I have a bit of a lump in my throat because I know that it's something that I need to do a lot of work on. And and so there's the self-respect piece when it comes to 
rest and recovery is one part. But then also, as you mentioned the other day, this girl math part, well, we kind of, that is how we live our lives. So, can you share a little bit about this girl math kind of piece that, that you mentioned the other day? Yeah. Well, girl math is a bit of a TikTok word or phrase. Um, and that's sort of more around, you know, you know, rounding down how much you spend on a pair of shoes. It wasn't $450, it was $400, you know, whatever. Um, but the girl math is sort of also around sleep. You know, we've, we, we sort of work back, you know, I've got to be up at this time and I've got, got to go to bed, bed at that time. And often yeah, things do go pear shaped. Like, like days don't always go as planned. In fact, my days rarely go as planned. <laughs> and I guess that's the, one of the beauties of life. And I think it's, um, it's, just, I think, blind to think that you can just keep shaving the time that you give to sleep. And it comes back to not doing the girl math, which is a little bit derogatory to girls, but it's, 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 it's a play on words and it's a fun, fun, I guess, word. But I just think that we need to be really mindful of this self-respect if we and I think I said this to you the other day, if my car pops up with a reminder that, you know, oh, service due in whatever, I am immediately on the phone. I've booked it in and I don't miss it. Whereas I don't know how many blood test request forms are curled up in the side door of my car that are out of date. And every time I go back to the doctor, it's like, oh, sorry, I've still got that. You know, it's probably out of date now. I just don't prioritise it. And I, I believe that, you know, when you get your lump in that in the throat, I do too. You know, I'm a rest and sleep expert. I st- and I think I'm a rest and sleep expert, not just to help people, um, you know, improve the quality of their lives, but also my own life. You know, you end up, I think, being an expert in the things that you need to learn most about. I'm the worst bedtime procrastinator. So it's really having that ability to shine the spotlight on ourselves and remember that, you know, it's about respecting your body and your health. And you can show up as your best self for your for you for you, but your family, your kids, your community, and also for your workplace. Absolutely. And when you know, and again, I know that I know the girl math piece is just a TikTok thing, but the, I think the yeah. reason it resonated with me is because when you mentioned it, I was like, "This is me!" And I even <laughs> did it. I even did it this morning, Amanda. I had a I had an early call this morning, and I worked back. From when that call was to then when I needed to get up to what else, like what I needed to do for others before I got on this call as a po, I think this is why this resonates with me because I worked backwards based on what I needed to do for others as opposed to asking the bigger question of what do I need? What do I want? And then everything else can fit in with that. And so I think that's really the bigger picture, obviously, of what it is that, that you're talking about and hence why you do the work that you do. And the, the other piece that you mentioned the other day, which I thought was beautiful, was as a practical way to help ourselves, was this concept of habit stacking. Mm-hmm. How do you yeah. weave the this, or maybe perhaps if you could explain a bit to the listeners around what habit stacking is, but how do we weave that into our lives to better support ourselves as well? 
Hi there, and thanks for letting me interrupt this podcast episode. I just wanted to remind you that a new year means a whole new opportunity to set yourself up for success in your career and leadership. If you've been on the fence about our Transform Your Career program, now is the time to get on board because for the month of January and Feb, we are offering a free one-on-one coaching session with me when you purchase our base program. So don't delay. Now, let's get back to the episode. Sure. So habit stack, it's not something I've come up with. Um, I learned it from James Clear, who's got a book called Atomic Habits. And it's been around for years and I, you know, I, I have turned all of his habits into sleep habits. I've got um, a PDF which is called Atomic Sleep Habits and it's all about applying his, his um, philosophy around creating great habits and breaking bad habits um, around sleep. Um, but he, he built on the work of some other um, amazing um, researchers in the space. But um, habit stacking is really where, you know, you're trying to Im- – trying to encourage and build good habits and break bad habits. And habit stacking is where you uh, you add a habit onto something you already do. So you're making it easier and you're reducing the friction. So an example um, in the space I work in is exposure to natural sunlight in the morning before 10 o'clock is very essential for so many aspects of our functioning. But most importantly, it's really essential for resetting our body clock each day which affects every single function and system within our body. And if we go outside to get natural sunlight, we can habit stack that with something we're already doing. So, for example, having a morning cup of tea or a coffee. So, rather than sitting inside reading the paper, take it all outside into the natural light. Um, Another one might be, you know, going for a walk in the morning. We'll take your sunglasses off and get that natural light into your eyes. So, it's just trying to yeah, inc- decrease the friction and increase the ability and the desire to, to do a particular, well, build a new habit essentially. Yeah, I like that. And so, so what I'm hearing from you is like pick something that you probably already do perhaps as part of your routine and then think about sort of what other good behaviours can you link that with that then essentially just expand that routine further but for good. Yeah, or even just work out what it is that you want to do. What's the good habit you want to build? And then how can you stack that onto something you're already doing? Again, it's about being, um, you know, reducing friction, but it's also about being um, really clever with your time. We're so time poor, right? And how might we... I love the idea of, you know, having your morning coffee in the sunshine. That is something that I, particularly as the days are getting longer now in the sun, we're getting more sunshine as we're in Australia. Anyway, we're in summer. That is definitely something that I love to do is either get my body moving, go for a walk, grab a coffee and have the sunshine on it all at the same time. But if we, if we then even flipped it now to, to bookend the day, um, and think about nighttime and preparing ourselves to wind down. What might be an example of uh, habit stacking that somebody might do there to support themselves? Yeah. So similarly with the light, I mean, light is really important in the morning to you know for that burst of cortisol, adrenaline, and set the timing for melatonin release twelve to fourteen hours later um, to reset our body clock. But in the evening or when the sun's going down. Another great thing is to actually watch the setting sun and that has a 
slight protection for us to see bright light. So, you know, when we're inside our house, we're watching TV or looking at screens or just, you know, we've got bright overhead lights. Um, watching the sun going down has a slight um, protective mechanism for the amount of, of light that we can tolerate in the evening that's not going to upset our melatonin or suppress it um, being secreted. Um, so that could be just, you know, going and having, you know, another cup of tea or if you drink a gin and tonic, take it outside and watch the sun go down. Um, there's so many different things that we can do with habit stacking and it's really just looking at, you know, what your existing life is is and looking for the new habits that you want to build. Going to bed earlier, that's just, you know, a critical one. One of the, um, the things that so so few of us actually know is how much sleep like do you know how much sleep that you actually need claire like what amount of sleep and hours if you get a consistent night's sleep what's your real sweet spot for you to be rocking your day I want to say between seven and nine hours but i'm honestly saying that because that's what i've read i don't know whether for me as an individual, I think, I mean, I would say when I feel like I've had a good eight hours sleep, I'm like, yes, come at me world. I'm ready. Whereas when I, when I know I've had one of, but that would be quality sleep. Whereas I might have lay in bed for eight hours, but if I've woken up four or five times in the night, quality's been impacted. So then the quantity might've been there, but not the quality. But no, I don't, I, I, I guess I just assume based on what I've read about sleep that that seven to nine hours is the sweet spot. Is that right or is it different for different people? Well, it is different to different people and you are right. It is seven to nine hours, but that's, that's the range. So for you, that's not your, your sweet spot would be somewhere in there. Um, and I think this is my point that so few of us actually can hang a hat on a figure. Like for me, it, used to be eight hours, but, you know, as I get older, I'm needing less and less sleep. So it's more likely, you know, seven and a half to eight hours nowadays. Um, but if you said seven to nine hours, you might get seven hours tonight and then nine hours on the weekend. There's a lot of sleep that you're missing out on. And when you start to add that up and work out how much sleep you've missed over a week and over a month, that's really a lot of sleep. So, you know, I think really getting in tune with your body and identifying what is that sweet spot and give it a figure, not a range, give it a figure. That is such an important thing to do. And as I said at the very start, duration isn't everything, but you do need to have this sense about what is your sweet spot. What are you going to aim for when you set your bedtime routine, go to bed at this time, wake up at that time um, and really the best way to do that is what is the earliest time that you need to get up in the morning during your week? What's the earliest commitment that you need to get up for? Is it an exercise class or is it driving a kid to an early sporting activity? And that should be your regular wake-up time across the whole week, give or take half an hour, and then you work back from there to what's going to be your bedtime. And keeping in mind that when you decide to actually go to bed, that's not necessarily when you fall asleep. It could be 20 minutes of scrolling on on your um, phone or it could be reading a book for half an hour. So just be realistic about, okay, well, if that's the sleep I need, I need to go into bed half an hour earlier if I want to do whatever in bed beforehand. Yes, and I think that that is... I think that is a great call out because I think there would be many people listening who are like, oh, yeah, I go to bed at 10. 
But actually, I scroll TikTok for an hour and a half, you know, with the lights off, but my my phone shining in my face, which is probably the worst thing I assume that we can do to help our bodies settle in for a good night's sleep. So there's the what time do I need to physically get into bed versus the what time do I like do I need as a buffer to enable me to actually fall asleep and have a good night's sleep, which are not necessarily the same thing. So great call out there. One of the yeah. things I've noticed, um, which perhaps um, there is some um, research behind this, but I, I certainly notice a huge difference when I try to go straight to sleep. Let's say I'm, I don't know, sitting in the lounge room watching something slash probably also scrolling my phone slash probably eating ice cream or something like that versus doing those things, but then getting into bed and reading a book specifically. So not even reading a book on my phone or a Kindle, but specifically holding and reading a book for even 20 minutes. I actually find I have a much better night's sleep when I do that versus when I try to get straight into bed. Yeah, and everyone's different in that space. Some people actually do need to scroll for a bit um, on social media or news. Um, everyone is very different. It's just how arousing all of those mm-hmm. activities are. And you probably find that, um, you know, that holding the, the, the physical activity of holding the book can be quite tiring. You know, you're lying in bed and you're holding this book that you find. And then you, it's like, I'll roll on my side because the book's feeling really heavy. Um, very true. Yeah. It's, it's that winding down. And I guess there's this, Reducing ability, well, I'm seeing less and less people's ability to tap into their parasympathetic nervous system, which is, you know, the ability to unwind and switch off. You know, we're so cortisol driven and, you know, it's that fight or flight mode. But so a few of us are practicing regularly just to, yeah, to switch off, make some time for some reflection and doing that in daylight hours. And I'm not necessarily talking about, um, writing in a book or a diary, but just some time to just be reflecting and letting all the worries and thoughts come into your mind in daylight hours so that when you do put your head on your pillow at night, they're not the things that are going to start coming flooding into your mind because that's the first time in the whole day there's been any space for them to be aired. Um, and often, you know, I find people fall asleep quite easily, but then they wake up for a bathroom break and then all those thoughts and worries come and they can't get back to sleep easily. So just practicing, it's like any muscle. It's not really a muscle, but I call it a muscle. You know, we need to flex it and practice it and get better at being able to rest. And it's not necessarily meditating. I'm awful at meditating, um, but I do have other practices that I, that I use to really be able to switch off. It's the discipline to do that, isn't it? Because I, I'm sure there'll be people listening who are like, oh, I get that. I've heard that. I've heard that. But I think this is where that, you know, um, bit of butt kicking with love probably comes into play <laughs> to be like, no one will do this for you. So if you know it and you've heard this stuff before, what are you doing about it? Because nobody's going to come and save us when it comes to getting a good night's sleep, when it comes to rest and recovery. We have to do it for ourselves. And it starts with the discipline and the self-respect to do that. And I think that's one of the things that I'm hearing 
the most from you around, you know, a lot of the stuff is, is, is practical stuff that we know about, but what is the, what is getting in the way of mm. us mm. following I, I through on it for ourselves? Completely, Claire, and it's great to hear you sort of reflect that back. And the other part of it is, um, apart from the fact that it's not a, a, a soft butt kit, it's got a stiletto. There's a stiletto on the end of that foot. <laughs> but the other part of it is laziness. Um, and I see so many people sitting at their desks for hours and hours, eating their lunch at their desk, and this idea that I'm so busy, I'm so busy, and whether it's full of self-importance or you really are busy, I'm sure you are busy. But again, it comes back to this sort of this friction of it's harder for me to get up and go and have my lunch outside, or it's harder for me for, to get up and go and join someone for lunch in the um, in the lunchroom at work. I call it out as laziness. Um, and again, some people might sort of go, "Oh, I'm not lazy." Well, it's like, hang on a minute, you're sitting at your desk and you're eating your lunch, and you're veiling in the fact that you're so busy that you have to keep working through lunch. And I'm sorry, but if you've got to do that, something's really wrong with your work environment. And a, a lot, or probably most of my work is around organisations and looking at work practices and what are the work practices that, that aren't supporting rest and sleep. And what are better practices that do support rest and sleep? And it's there's so many things like lunch and learns. Why are we taking people's lunch time, which is their time to rest and unwind from work and recharge and cramming more learning into it? And there are some great lunch and learn opportunities. Um, they're not always about, you know, work-related learning. Um, but I think, you know, lounge and learns or just just change the vocabulary. Um, there's so much more that organisations can do to support rest and sleep. And that's one aspect, but also people need to just take it on the chin and not be so bloody lazy and get up, go outside, go down on the elevator, go and find a park bench and have your lunch there. Um, get up and start moving and you'll come back to your desk more productive. You'll get more done than you would have if you just worked through lunch and you're going to be a lot happier. And you'll get better sleep the next night. I think it's a great call out. And you, you referenced it the other day when we spoke to, and I was like, oh, I am that person. I know I am. <laughs> I've got, I've definitely, I know that I've gotten better at it. But I look back now and I think back, particularly to my last corporate role, I was a terrible example of, and I was a leader. I was leading a, a, a fairly reasonable sized team and would regularly sit at my desk and eat my lunch there because I was too busy to make the space to sit in the in the lunchroom and eat it or go for a walk or, or you know, or perhaps you do eat your lunch at your desk and then you go out for a nice 45-minute walk, right? But get up and do something that's prioritizing yourself. And I was not doing that. And it was not role modeling good behaviors for my team. And then culturally there are impacts on that, on the flow on effect that that has on other people, but also bad behavior for myself because I just I think my mentality at the time was like well if I if I work from my desk now and I and I power through then I'll get that time back at the end of the day but the reality was that I wasn't doing that either and so all you end up doing because of your own busyness which is just a word we just use now like as like a lazy language how are you I'm busy we we think we are 
helping ourselves when all we're actually doing is just cramming more and more and more in. And to your point, if that's the way we're living our lives, there is something very wrong with this picture and it's not sustainable. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Something which is also a bit of a reality check for people is, um, you know, you look at how much if you're a salaried worker, you know, what's your salary? How many hours a week are you paid to work? Divide that, you know, into your salary, work out what your hourly rate is. And then be realistic about, okay, well, how many hours am I actually putting in at work, whether it's at work, whether it's outside of work, checking emails, and then do the math, the real math on what hourly rate you're getting. And that's quite a shock. That is a real shock. Some of them will be earning less than their 15-year-old. And it's coming back to why are we working so many hours either at work or after work at at home when we can be a lot more productive and efficient, more creative, more strategic, make better decisions if we are that much more rested and recharged. And you know, to your point, Claire, around modeling behavior, leaders need and and you know, anyone in a in a leadership role, not necessarily senior management, but anyone that is leading a team, it's about, you know, modeling behavior because leaders, what they say and do about rest and sleep impacts what their subordinates do about rest and sleep. It's 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 in the research. Um, and the other thing is setting expectations. Quite simply, you know, when someone starts in a job, you know, yeah, these are your hours and then they start and then they're watching and looking at five o'clock and the time's come and gone and, you know, the boss is still there and still are most people in the office. And and then all of a sudden it's like the norm is that actually we work till six o'clock or 6.30, whereas it should be setting expectations up in that onboarding. Like you might see a few people working back. We do that very occasionally. Our expectation is that you finish at this time and really set that those clear boundaries. Otherwise, people are people. They want to impress and work longer hours. Um, so, yeah, that's something else that's really important for the leaders to consider. A hundred percent. And I love this idea of loud leaving in terms of when, leave, when leaders do leave for the day, they make that known they are leaving on time or they're going to pick their kids up, like normalise this behaviour so that then other people see it and they feel like, oh, that's okay for me to do as well. I think that's one really practical thing and easy thing that leaders are able to do. Well, have you got maybe, um, you know, even two other, three other practical tips when we think about how we can best support ourselves during the day? One of them that you referenced um, when we were speaking earlier was around this idea of sort of time blocking for deep work and things like that. Have you got any other practical tips for employees on how they might be able to set themselves up for success during their days, which should then hopefully enable them to get better rest at night. Mm. So, protecting time off, um, you know, protecting that lunch break. You know, you do get, you know, other breaks in the day. Protect that time and block it out in your calendar. Um, Blocking out time in your calendar for deep focus work and just put it in as a meeting. Um, You might not have a meeting, but if someone sees that you've got a meeting, they're not going to you know, double book you. So, really be protective of your time and look for opportunities to be away from your desk. And we did this the other day. We had a Zoom call um, and you (laughs) had the the misfortune of hearing me huff and puff the streets of East Fremantle as I did 
did a walk because you know it. why do we need to be bound to a desk and a computer screen when I could have I could just take it on a call um, and I think you enjoyed looking at all the passing <laughs> parade of East Fremantle houses but I yeah, did just I like, sounded like a stalker didn't I I was like are you passing <laughs> Eugene's pizza place right <laughs> But I, I, you know, after we hung up that call, Amanda, I actually said to my husband, I love that you did that because why not, to your point, why not take a phone call whilst you're out walking and getting some movement into your day at the same time? I think it's, I think the, you role modeled that for me. So thank mm. you. You're welcome. And my dad used to tell me, like, oh, I can't go for a run. It's too far. I can't. He goes, just put your feet on the floor, put your running shoes on and walk out the door. And the rest will happen. So we we make something bigger than it needs to be, like getting up from your desk and going outside and down the street to get some lunch, um, catching up with some colleagues for lunch or going for a walk um, for a meeting with a colleague even, like a face-to-face meeting. You don't need to be sitting side by side necessarily. Um, don't overthink it. Just Just get up and move. And once you're moving, it becomes that much easier and normalising it so that, and this is, an, again, leaders modelling behaviour, leaders could be encouraging people to have walking meetings. Yeah, great advice. So deep work, time block, get up and move, don't overthink it and don't overcomplicate it. Yeah, and, and find things that are energy giving. Um, you know, so much in our day is energy and draining. So look for things which are energy giving and the other one is listen to your body. Our bodies are incredible at letting us know when we need more rest or need more sleep, but we tend to tune out from them and we just need to tune back in and be able to pick up on the subtleties of what our body is telling us, whether it's our itchy eyes because they're tired, whether it's I'm missing my words in my sentences. I can't remember certain things. Um, you know, I'm really volatile today. Whatever it is that you think you need a quick fix for, it's often rest or sleep. Yeah, I think that's great, a great insight. And, you know, your body is tapping, 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 giving you these little mm. signs. But if we don't listen, that tapping will become knocking and eventually it will be something that is so far gone. It will be outside of our control and will become sick. That's when we end up getting cold or the flu or whatever it is because we've run down because we haven't listened to the subtle taps along the way because we've just kind of powered through. Yeah, and when do we get sick? It's often when we go on holiday. Um <laughs> Yeah, we finally decompress, you know. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Well, Amanda, I feel like I could sit here and talk to you all day. But before I let you go, I am sure that there will be many listeners who would love to get in touch, um, organisations who are probably curious about how they can better set themselves up for success when it comes to supporting leaders and employees to to encourage a culture of rest and recovery. So what is the best way for people to get in touch with you? Yeah, probably our website, sleepspot.com.au and LinkedIn. So, yeah, Amanda Slinger on LinkedIn. Um, Yeah, either of those. Fantastic. And I will drop links to both of those in the show notes. But Amanda Slinger, thank you so much for joining me on the Eating Your Cake 2 podcast today. It has been an absolute pleasure to have you here. Thanks, Claire. Thanks for having me. 